Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and how plot holes actually make a story better. Tonight on episode 10, we'll be continuing our discussion of the future trunk saga with part two of our three-part discussion in Dragon Ball Super. Tonight, we'll be covering episodes 57 through 66, so settle in as we get ready to break things down. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd highly suggest going back to episode nine of Instant Transmission and giving it a listen. And with that out of the way, should we go ahead and get things started here? Absolutely. I think uh, let's go ahead with last time on Instant Transmission. Dayton and I began the Future Trunks arc where the future timeline is in peril once more. This time, Trunks is fighting against a figure known as Goku Black, a dark doppelganger of Goku. After losing his mother to Black, Trunks travels back in time to enlist Goku and Vegeta's help once more. Our Z fighters have a brief fight with Black, who had jumped through a time warp to the past. Before getting, before getting sucked back through the time warp into the future, Black destroys Trunks' time machine. Bulma begins repairing Cell's old time machine while Trunks spends time visiting with his past friends, including Gohan. During the battle, Beerus and Whis had sensed a familiar energy from Black, so they take Goku to visit the Supreme Kai of the 10th universe, Goasu. But they're really looking for Goasu's Kai in training, Zamasu. Goku spars with Zamasu and defeats him. Our crew determines Zamasu's energy is similar to Black's, but not the same, and so they return to Earth. After some much-needed rest, Trunks travels to his timeline with Goku and Vegeta. They're confronted by Black once more with a new transformation, Super Saiyan Rose. Our fight was interrupted by a new arrival in the future timeline, Zamasu. The Kaiyan training appears to be working with Goku Black. And on that revelation, we continue the fight for Future Trunks' timeline today. And I think that's going to lead us right into episode 57, Advent of the Immortal God Zamasu. And so this uh, episode of Instant Transmission, starting off right in the thick of things, the scene begins with Zamasu and Goku Black standing side by side, looking down on her battered Z fighters. Uh, Vegeta has already fallen unconscious from all of his battle wounds, and Zamasu announces that uh, immortals are... uh, I'm sorry, mortals are unworthy of the utopia that he has planned, and we kind of get an idea of what he's planning on doing with not only our Z fighters, but all the mortals in this universe. Right. And we've kind of already seen the destruction that Black has wrought on Trunks's Earth. And our heroes seem like they're in a pretty bad spot here. Uh, they, they do end up getting back up to fight. Goku ends up fighting with Zamasu here now. And 
uh, Trunks is kind of tending to Vegeta, but Goku at this point has to fight both Black and Zamasu. Uh, we do get Trunks kind of jumping in and intervening, which is nice, kind of like a little two-on-two fight here. And I think eventually Trunks runs Zamasu through with his sword, and that's kind of when we find out that Zamasu is invincible as far as we can tell. Yeah, and after delivering what should have been possibly a fatal blow to Zamasu, he just sort of laughs it off and Trunks goes into do-or-die mode and decides to launch the biggest final flash that he's able to conjure. And he pulls everything together, blasts Zamasu with it, and uh, it appears to have no real effect. Yeah, and I I did like that they, I think this is the first time that we see Trunks use the final flash, and I love this. I love that they are kind of pulling this from, clearly from the training that Trunks and Vegeta did in the hyperbolic time chamber during the Cell Saga, and we get to actually see some of that training come to fruition. Yeah, it's really cool to kind of see him carry a little bit of his past with him, and especially the past that we've seen. Absolutely. I liked that a lot. So they they kind of continue the fight here. We're learning more and more that Zamasu is they can't do anything to him. He he seems to be invincible. Uh he even goes so far as to hold on to Goku and Trunks while Black blasts them all, all three of them, because it has no effect on Zamasu. Uh, but it, it just annihilates Goku and Trunks. And just as Zamasu and Black are getting ready to finish off our heroes, Vegeta jumps back in, shooting a key blast at the ball of energy that our antagonists have kind of created. And uh, this is enough of a distraction that Goku and Trunks just kind of vanish in the smoke at this point. Yeah, and all the chaos, uh, we find out that... uh... What actually happened is, is Yajirobe seeing a chance to actually jump in and help out, grabs Trunks and Goku, drags him down a hallway, probably to safety, uh, and mentions that uh, he's only got two arms, so uh, them's the breaks. Sorry, Vegeta. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. But look at that. Look at Yajirobe being a badass and, you know, saving the day. Uh, he's always been the opportunistic hero, right? Like with the fight with Vegeta cutting off the the tail and that sort of thing. Yajirobe is brave and very, very small opportunistic bursts. <laughs> yeah, as long as he doesn't think he's in too much danger. <laughs> no, he's not reckless is, I think, how he would put it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. And as we kind of see Zamasu and Black going over to finish off Vegeta at this point. There is a smoke screen that's kind of laid down, and we find out that Mai and her soldiers from the future are interfering in this fight. They're basically just trying to get our heroes to safety, which they, they do successfully save Vegeta, so... And it kind of bothers me because I I kind of wanted that really bad situation that Vegeta was in to actually mean something, but nah, just more smoke grenades. We're getting them out. <laughs> it's not and, a problem. Yeah, this is this is kind of like the the first beat of something that I kind of have a complaint about with this arc, where uh, our heroes tend to just get away scot free multiple multiple <laughs> times. There but, are no uh, consequences in in this story arc. Don't worry. 
Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about that more as we go along. But basically what ends up happening is our heroes get out and they make their way back to the time machine and Goku, Trunks, and Vegeta go back to the past, leaving Mai once again in the future. She She's kind of like staying there of her own will so that she can take care of things in the future timeline. Yeah, she kind of makes the sacrifice so that way our, our Z fighters can return to, I guess, our present timeline and and try and come up with a way to to save the world. They've At this point, it's pretty apparent that Mai thinks that the key to this victory is going to be in Trunks and these super fighters and that she needs to just hang out and make sure that she keeps as many people alive as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And so we more or less cut back to our present timeline and you know our z fighters are beat up balma comes over to check on them as well as kid trunks and then we kind of cut over to goasu and zamasu and they're watching goasub <laughs> i forgot they called it that that was such a great <laughs> line <laughs> uh yeah they're watching uh what looks like more or less a replay of the uh, the tournament that Goku and Vegeta and them had fought in with uh, Champa and, and Beerus. Yeah, and that's interesting, but it, it kind of leads to the end scene in the that tournament arc where they use the Super Dragon Balls to make a wish. And this gets Zamasu's attention. He wants to know all about these Super Dragon Balls. Yeah, he gets that uh that wicked grin on his face and you know he's up to to no good, I would say. I think at this point it's he's a pretty suspect individual. 100%. And I think for the most part that kind of wraps up. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one more scene where we actually do get to see Zamasu going to our buddy Zuno who knows everything and he starts to ask about the Dragon Balls, the Super Dragon Balls and where to find them. Super Dragon Balls, and at the end of this episode, does he also ask the other question? I can't remember. I think it's I think it's in the ne- the next episode where he asks that. But all right, I think uh, I think with that, uh, we'll do the quick uh, episode feelings. There's not a ton that yeah. happens in this episode. I feel it's more or less the Z Fighters retreating and the ball on Zamasu storyline kind of getting rolling a little bit more. And it's not it's not the most exciting episode. Um, but it gets our Z fighters, I guess, to safety and it kind of starts introducing new questions about Zamasu. So it's, it's an okay episode. It's, um, not, not a ton happens, but it, it gets me a little bit more Zamasu and that's, that's really what I'm here for. Yeah, absolutely. He is definitely one of the, the more interesting antagonists in super. And I mean, to be fair, I think a large chunk of this episode, really probably about two thirds of it is filled with fighting, if not dialogue during the fighting. And, you know, for what else are we here for? If not fighting when it comes to Dragon <laughs> Ball, but, uh, and it's, it, it's not, the fighting's okay. It's, it's nothing to write home about. I liked seeing trunks fire off a fire final flash and it's, it helped us learn that Zamasu is invincible, which was, you know, useful information. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It's it, it's a necessary episode, but there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, our heroes kind of get beat up, 
and then have to retreat. And that's more or less the gist of it. Yeah, so it's a fine episode. It's not my favorite, but it's not the worst either. Yeah, I would agree. Do we want to move on to episode 58? Yes, protect Kaioshin Goasu, destroy Zamasu. And that is a loaded title right there. <laughs> yeah, I think this one is, it, it starts us off with Zamasu talking to Zuno. And so Zuno's just, given a whole lore dump about the Super Dragon Balls. And I think this here is where we get the second question that you were talking about, Dayton. Oh, yes. Um, the other thing that Zamasu is interested in asking is uh, he wants to know everything there is to know about the Saiyan mortal Goku. And that is a very interesting question. It is, yeah. Why does Zamasu want to know about Goku? Uh, but he he basically wants to know all the location of all the Super Dragon Balls, and he's not taking no for an answer. He's very aggressive and threatening to Zuno. It's very uh, unkai like, right? It's it's there's a lot of, I guess, impatience and demanding, and he he threatens uh, Zuno's life, saying, "If you don't give me what I want, and in the time frame I want." Like I will remove your head from your shoulders. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not a friendly exchange. He's not here offering money for information. He's not saying please and thank you or peas and carrots. He's uh, he's not being very kind in this situation. And after he asks about Goku, we kind of cut back over to our Z fighters, and they are. I mean, they're beat up. They're basically kind of recuperating, uh, and they're giving the details to like Balma, Kid Trunks and the rest of the group. Uh, and they're, I mean, they're trying to figure out a plan more or less um, trying to figure out regroup and figure out what they can do about black and Zamasu. Yeah. And right now there's a lot of questions that they need answered and is what's going on with Zamasu. Why is he not taking damage? And uh, th the fight they had before this last one, Goku at Super Saiyan 2 was able to be on par, if not better than Goku Black. But this last exchange, Goku couldn't even really land a blow on Goku Black. There was a sudden, severe increase in power, and that was something that caught them off guard as well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the Super Saiyan Rose was kind of a big deal there. We, we get the impression that Black could not transform into Super Saiyan Rose prior to fighting goku they they keep making a point that black is kind of learning and improving the more that he spends time fighting goku and just kind of seeing him in action which makes sense because black doesn't really have all the experience that goku has and he doesn't know how to get the most out of goku's body and we've seen this before with captain ginyu yeah, when Captain Ginyu took Goku's body, he was only able to summon a fraction of Goku's power. So this kind of power disparity did need to be addressed, and I'm sort of glad they did it. Yeah, and there is a moment, too, later on where it'll kind of come up a little bit, or at least he'll talk about it a little bit more. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. But I think from here, our Z fighters uh, reconvene with Whis and Beerus, and Whis is kind of creating this theory based on what our Z fighters, what information our Z fighters brought back, where he believes that Zamasu 
used the Super Dragon Balls to create a copy of Goku, almost using this copy of Goku or Goku Black as a sort of weapon to get what he wants, which, as we're finding out, is to destroy all mortals. And that's they still have some questions, though, like, why does Zamasu? Why does Zamasu and Black have similar energy? They don't really know how to answer that. Yeah, and... there's a couple couple holes in the theory that they're really searching and trying to find an answer for. Right. They're also assuming that Zamasu used the Super Dragon Balls to create Goku Black, and then used the Super Dragon Balls again to wish for invincibility. Uh, and they they do mention that there's a possibility that he could have used the time ring to travel a year into the future so that he didn't have to wait for the Super Dragon Balls to be usable again. And while they put together and ponder this this theory, uh, they decide that the the one thing they know they need to do is they need to meet with Zamasu again. And so Whis... Beerus, Goku, and the Supreme Kai, oddly enough, uh, all get together and uh, head off to meet with them again. And I believe they uh, arrive on the the tenth Kai's, or I'm sorry, the tenth universe's Kai's planet. And when they it's do arrive, yeah, uh, Goasu's there, but Zamasu isn't there. Right, he's been absent for a while. Uh, one other quick note, too, about kind of Weiss's theory is that they're trying to figure out how Black is using the time ring, because as far as they know, only Supreme Kai's can use the time ring, and Black sh- shouldn't be a Supreme Kai or doesn't appear to be a Supreme Kai. Uh, but I think we pretty much end the episode with Zamasu coming back uh, into the frame with uh, our Supreme Kai, Goku, Beerus, Whis, and Goasu. And that pretty much wraps us up there. So, Dayton, what did you think about that episode? It's a um, it's a story bridge episode. It's to help get you from where you are to where you're trying to go. And I think this episode actually moves at a decent pace. It delivers a good amount of information, theories. It keeps you guessing. Um I like fighting a lot, but as far as episodes where there's not fighting, I did like this episode. It progressed the plot well. I thought it was a a decent episode. Yeah, I can't really argue with you there. There's a part of me that feels like this one, like there's not a lot going on, but at the same time, it's delivering a lot of information in a short amount of time. And I think that the the theories that Weiss is kind of delivering to the rest of the cast I think that that's important, especially to kind of get the audience watching to the right point of and frame of mind as we move further into the arc. Yeah, between so, that and Goku forgetting the sensu beans on the toilet, I think we got a lot of good good information out of that episode. Oh, Jesus, I forgot about that. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about stupid Goku because... Oh boy, is he stupid in this arc. Oh, yeah, yeah. If if you had that criticism before, <laughs> settle in. Yeah, it's real bad. But, but I think that's going to lead us to the next episode, which is... Wait, hold on. We just did episode 58, right? Right, we should be uh, on okay. 59. Uh, I think I read the wrong episode name. <laughs>
Whoops. <laughs> so we just discussed Zamasu and Black, the two's mystery deepens. Now we're going to talk about episode 59, Protect Kaioshin Goasu, Destroy Zamasu. That makes a little more sense. <laughs> all right, all right. It's been a long work day. You're going to have to work with me here. Uh, that's right. That's right. We'll, uh, we, we make our mistakes, and that's okay. <laughs> so but this episode begins with the, uh, uh, the party present in front of Goasu and Zamasu. And uh, Zamasu walks out. He's surprised that they're there, and he's being, I guess overly generous and he's trying to be helpful and he's putting on this really really good guy act that's almost kind of sickening right yeah he's coming across as just way too sweet in this scene and i mean we as the audience got to see how he treated zuno so we're pretty certain that this is an act but our z fighters may or may not know that at least in this moment anyway and they basically ask Zamasu a few questions, but uh, you get the impression that Weiss is Weiss and Beerus are trying to kind of get them out of there. So they they kind of leave a gift of tea and rice cakes, and then they dip out. They they make an excuse for having to leave, and it, it seems strange. Until they do leave, and Weiss and Beerus kind of give us their reason. Yeah, they basically step just kind of outside the door a little bit, just kind of off scene. And they discuss how Zamasu, they could sense that he was just full of murderous intent. And uh, Weiss and Beerus let the party know that as a god of destruction and the intendant, uh, they can really sense these emotions because that's what they're really in tune with. Um, and so at this point, the plan is they can't do anything because interfering with another universe is forbidden, especially the Kai's of another universe. That would be just absolute chaos if they made any sort of action without absolute proof that Zamasu would kill, uh, his, uh, his master. And so they more or less sit there and they wait for Zamasu to make a move. Right. And I think in doing so, we do cut over. There's two other brief scenes in here. There's uh, Goku Black and Zamasu chatting. And then there's Mai and Yajirobe with some of the kids in the future. Did you have anything you wanted to say about those little scenes, Dayton? Uh, not really. They were, they were kind of quick little scenes. And I don't, they didn't really add a ton for me. I felt the same. But that kind of takes us over to a scene that I do want to talk about. And we get a scene with future Trunks, who's in the past right now, or our present. He's he's down. He's he's not feeling good about what happened. He's, you know, he's trying to fight for his world. And he brought the strongest people he knows to help him. And they failed. And so we get to see Kid Trunks approach his older future self. And Kid Trunks is basically just goading future Trunks. He's telling him, you know, stop being a wuss and do something. He actually just goads him into a fight, which is super interesting. Uh, what did you think about this, Dayton? It was, it was an interesting scene. I kind of wish... 
we would have seen a little bit more of the fight and a little bit more of the dialogue, but I like the direction they were going with it. I just wanted a little bit more out of that scene. But the idea of, I guess, our timelines, Trunks, seeing his future self kind of down and out and almost giving up and having that, I guess, being compelled to step in and try and do something, but... You know, he's just a kid and his style's kind of rough and tumble. That's exactly how he would try and motivate somebody. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I I have a couple additional thoughts to that where I feel like this shows a level of maturity for Kid Trunks that we haven't seen before. And I think that he's learning a lot in this scenario where he's having to deal with like maybe even a little bit of an identity crisis having another him from the future show up and and he's you know kid trunks is crushing on my and my is crushing on future trunks and so there's a lot going on with kid trunks here but what i really like about this is that it strongly parallels the way that vegeta encouraged future trunks earlier on in this arc and our kid trunks we know has had Vegeta around as a father and as a role model. So this feels very, it not only feels very Vegeta and feels appropriate for kid trunks, but it also feels very much like a Saiyan way of motivating somebody and kind it's of, kind of their own their language that they, that they understand that I guess more or less Vegeta's kind of instilled in both of them with both of their experiences with him. And so I guess this attempt to relate or talk to or to motivate is something that probably only really works on Vegeta's bloodline at this point. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't really argue with you there, but it feels very appropriate. I I like it a lot. I like the uh, uh I like that they are getting this uh this connection between Future Trunks and Kid Trunks and they're they're starting to relate and understand one, one another and really learn from one another, which is super interesting. Yeah, there's a, I mean, the relationship between future trunks and and our timeline trunks is, it's very complicated, but I do like that they make efforts to try and sort it out and make it, I guess, digestible, because I can only imagine (laughs) how you would feel as a seven or eight year old or however old current trunks is meeting your future self. And also everybody knew about him except you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean that there has to be some trauma going on there too but he's he's dealing with it pretty well surprisingly um but we get a besides that scene i i really liked that scene but we get another really important story beat in here with zamasu and goasu where our z fighters are watching the exchange between our Supreme Kai of the 10th universe and his Kai in training and Zamasu attacks and kills Goasu. And so there's one little important note I want to bring up right before that happens. Oh yeah. Go ahead. When Goasu's eating the sticky rice cake and he chokes on it for a moment. Did you know that's actually kind of a a known thing in Japanese culture that people choke on those sticky rice cakes, especially the elderly? 
That's funny. I did not know that, although I have seen that in anime quite frequently. <laughs> Apparently, it's a trope and something that actually happens in Japan. I only know that because uh, my wife walked in while I was watching it, and she laughed at that scene because that's actually like <laughs> something that happens. So there you go. There's a little bit of trivia that I wasn't even aware of. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, I, I kind of skipped over that beat, but that's a fun little nod to uh, just real life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so Zamasu steps behind Goasu and strikes him down right there on the table, kills Goasu. And the party, Goku, Beerus, Whis, and the Supreme Kai are all watching this. Goku's freaking out. And then uh, we get the good old Whis rewind button that backs everything up. And uh, I believe Weeks makes the comment that you've already forgotten that. I didn't forget that. I knew that was <laughs> never forget. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, they got all the proof that they need that Zamasu does kill Goasu. And at this point, they're ready to step in and intervene. And they intervene by putting an oven mitt on Zamasu's hand before he's able to strike down Goasu. Not just any oven mitt. It is a kitten mitten. I loved it. <laughs> they even call it a kitten mitten. <laughs> I died. Uh, yeah, paying attention to the type of mitten is important. Oh my God, it was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. But at this point, uh, the party has shown up. Goasu's wondering what's going on, but... I think we found our, our villain here red-handed and he's sort of backed into a corner. Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, they toss this kitten mitten on his hand to keep him from murdering Goasu. And then they, Weiss basically uh, destroys the kitten mitten, which reveals Zamasu's keyblade on his hand. Uh, and so Zamasu being, like you said, backed into a corner, he attacks Goku and Beerus jumps in the middle of this, grabbing Zamasu's hand and using his signature move, Hakai, and destroying Zamasu. Yeah, uh, serious Beerus is that that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wipes this guy from existence. Like, oof, no hesitation um, either. Just taking down another. Uh, divine being without blinking an eye. Uh, I love Beerus. <laughs> Beerus is pretty great. But yeah, I mean, they they kind of have to explain this to Goasu. We kind of, the tail end of the episode, we have all of our Z fighters coming back to Earth, and Beerus explains that him killing Zamasu in this timeline should also kill zamasu or any iterations in the other timelines so as far as we know based off of what beers is saying this should be the end of zamasu in every timeline including the future trunks timeline so at this point we're kind of led to believe that things should be better right and that's kind of where we end that episode. So what did you think about that one, Dayton? I love that episode. That was a great episode. 10 out of 10. Uh, the Kitten Men just made it that much better. Oh, my God. I love the Kitten Men. <laughs> <laughs>
I think my my biggest complaint is that the the episode's a little bit slow, especially towards the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's a few scenes that I was like, ah, eh, I could have done without those. Um, but they're they're minor and relatively short. I love the kid trunks and the future trunks interaction and watching Beerus actually destroy something. We haven't seen Beerus destroy something in quite a while. I think before he even fought Goku in Super Saiyan God form. I say, yeah, since he kind of befriended the the Z fighters, I think he's kind of been a pacifist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just been acting like a cat, eating food and sleeping for the <laughs> most part. So, yeah, I agree. This this was I. There are a couple, I guess, lulls in this episode, especially anything that involves Pilaf Gang. But overall, oh, I like boy. this episode. It's there's a lot of good story in it. A lot of it is packed at the end of the episode, but it's yeah. And we've had a few episodes of those now where it's kind of story progression, story progression. We're learning stuff, and I'm fine with that. We're laying the groundwork for the future. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with you there. But I think that pretty much brings us on to the next episode, episode 60. Back to the future. Goku Black's identity revealed. I wonder what's going to happen this episode. (laughs) Yeah, so let's see. We basically have a a number of scenes where our Z fighters are kind of, you know, recuperating, licking their wounds, and they're they're discussing what uh what's going to happen with trunks's future timeline trunks is not convinced that his timeline will be changed based on what beerus did however beerus is pretty offended that people aren't listening to him that uh, <laughs> when a god destroys somebody that person is destroyed across time apparently and Trunks is hesitant to believe it, and Trunks would probably know better than anybody because he's done probably more time traveling than most beings in existence, considering it's illegal, <laughs> even for gods. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering what we know from the Cell Saga and what happened when Trunks gave Goku the uh, an- the antidote for the heart virus, I mean, I I'm leaning in trunks's direction here yeah i think the first I think time i watched it he's definitely on to something and they're discussing like while they're discussing what they're going to do and whether trunks should just go now or not uh goku suggests that trunks needs to feed that tum tum first so they gotta get dinner <laughs> he says it like three or four times i was like <laughs> what are, what <laughs> what are you doing you gotta feed that tum tum oh my god is is this uh more that dumb Goku because it feels like dumb Goku? That's very dumb Goku. <laughs> oh I'll, my god! However, our dumb Goku is broken up with another really good scene that I liked with Kid Trunks and Future Trunks, and Future Trunks is basically he he flies up with Kid Trunks in the night and he's just kind of looking out on the city with all of these lights lit up, all these people just kind of living their lives in this large city. And he tells kid trunks that he's never seen anything so beautiful. And this is to me just a great way for the writers to temper the spoiled nature of kid trunks that has kind of developed through him being both rich and powerful. And this is like, we're getting great development. I mean, we've, we're clearly getting great development for future trunks, but we're getting a lot of really good character development for kid trunks, which is something 
God, we haven't seen in since the Boo arc. So yeah, I'll take a, it. It's a powerful discussion because Trunks mentions that they might be like the same person biologically, but they've grown up in radically different situations and different people surrounding them that future Trunks has never really known family or peace the entire time he was growing up. Whereas Kid Trunks, his entire life has pretty much been fairly peaceful other than a couple moments. Um, I mean, he doesn't remember um, Cell at all. He was just... Right. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. The worst thing he's had to go through is boo, more or less, but... Uh... I, I do like that Future Trunks tries to establish that they are different people. Like, it's, I'm not Future You, I'm a different you. And it, I think that's an important thing for Kid Trunks to hear, so that way he kind of seizes his own destiny sort of thing. 100%. And we, we kind of touched on this a little bit, too, where I, I think that this situation has caused Kid Trunks to have some issues with identity and, you know, wondering who he is or who he should be. and by future trunks kind of laying that out and expressing that to kid trunks i think that gives kid trunks some freedom to be who he wants to be and not feel so obligated to kind of follow in this future trunks's footsteps i guess it it's an important conversation and a good scene and i really liked it yeah me too and i think that kind of takes us to <laughs> what i have written down as Time travel to the future, round two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in case you can't tell, we like going back and forth between the future and the past because why not, right? You got a time machine, might as well use it. Then they use it and use it and use it in this arc, mm -hmm. that's for sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, I believe they all clamber into the time machine and uh, with their full tum-tums, they're ready to see if uh, Beerus has changed the future. D yeah. Did he? Did he? Uh, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> um, real quick, I do want to just point out, and we talked about this before the, the podcast, but... We get in the in the time machine, Bulma, Goku, Vegeta, and Trunks, four people in the time machine, when originally they said only one person could fit in the Cell Saga, to the point where Cell in his first form, being so tall, had to revert back to his larval state to actually get into the time machine and use it. So what happened between then and now? It's a little different. Just remember what I said at the start of this episode. Plot holes make the story better, and this makes the story better. Don't think about oh, it. Oh, boy. I just, <laughs> I'll try to turn off my brain for that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where does it does it make a big difference? No, but no. You, did you need to do that? <laughs> right. Like, Especially when you can hand wave so much of the stuff with Bulma's a genius, and she made it bigger. Cool. Yeah, I wish they I just wish that they would address it rather than just being like, well, we can fit in here now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So four people fit into a single person time machine and shove off. Right. And they they get back to the future timeline and it is still a mess. The buildings are still just destroyed. It does not look any different than when they left previously. 
And yeah, and uh, they're met by a couple resistance soldiers that reveal that apparently Mai's been severely hurt, and I feel like this happens a lot. Yeah, and although she gets hurt a lot, she still manages to escape every time, still alive, which, I mean, good for her, but a little weird. Um, they basically give Mai a sensu bean, and she comes to... Uh, there's the infamous line about Goku asking Trunks about kissing Mai and thought that was weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, I Okay, I didn't write that down, but that, that bothered me so much. So much. <laughs> I think even when that episode first came out, everybody was like, are you telling me that Goku has a wife and two kids? And has never kissed his wife ever. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the way I described it to my wife is, well, maybe Chi-Chi convinced Goku to have kids by saying that this was a new form of martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to keep on training, honey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the best I got. But man, that is that's some pretty dumb Goku. That's some pretty hard to believe dumb Goku. That. <sighs> There's a lot of dumb Goku in this. That might be the worst part. Like, that one was... I don't know. We all know that Saiyans don't treat relationships the same way that humans do, but that was maybe a little bit over the top for me. (laughs) Yeah, and it was one of those things where I got hit with the double whammy of uh, Trunks, I have it written down as Mama birding Sensu beans into Mai, and then Goku bringing up that weird comment. It's just the whole thing is not good. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty weird. But with our heroes kind of recuperated with my back in action, they make their way to confront Black and Zamasu. And we kind of get the the start of a fight here uh, with Vegeta and Black kind of starting us off. But uh, it, I think for the most part, we just get a little bit of fight, a little bit of exposition there, and that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah, and I've got to say, aside from a very minor amount of plot movement, this episode is kind of boring, a lot of holes in it. This is, a, I think, just kind of a bad episode. I am not a fan of it. All you need to know is that they traveled back to Trunks' storyline, and they've confronted Zamasu and Black again. Just tell someone that and then skip the episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's not a lot in here. Honestly, the the Kid Trunks, Future Trunks, to that interaction was the highlight of the episode to me. It really and was. That's, that's just character building, which is great. I love it. But it's it's not part of like the the main story arc, I suppose, either. I mean, between um, feeding the tum tums and mama birding and what is kissing, like there's just a lot of just like ugh, makes me cringe a little bit when I hear this stuff. Yeah, we're going to, I think we're both going to take a bit of a pass on that episode, which is going to take us to the next episode. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's move on to bigger and better things, shall we? That's right. So, so that's going to bring us to episode 61, Zamasu's Ambition, presenting the terrifying Zero Mortals plan. Ooh, yeah, big reveal here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, we kind of already know with uh, the audience has seen what Zamasu is after. We've seen that Zamasu does not like the mortals. And uh, we've seen Black 
and what Black has done to the future timeline and more or less destroyed Earth and all the people on it. So also the zero mortals plan kind of there's not a lot of wiggle room for what that could mean. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, uh, Zamasu reveals that he teamed up with. Himself. Himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So apparently Zamasu traveled through time to team up with somebody who actually understands how he feels, which was another Zamasu. Um, Also, at this point, it's revealed that the time ring kept the actions of Beerus, the destroyer god, from eliminating him from existence. So even though Beerus should have been able to destroy Zamasu across all lines. The time ring had protected him. Right. And really, this episode, we get a lot of the plot revealed. And so we find out that... uh, We find out about Black being another Zamasu. We find out that Black was actually uh, kind of like a different iteration from Goku's timeline where no one intervened when he attempted to murder Goasu, which is, I don't know, wrap your mind around that one. I mean, if you really want to get into timeline theory, is Trunks's timeline technically the most canon of timelines since it it wasn't the one that was like messed with, really? He was the one that messed with other timelines? Yeah, probably. I mean, we call it the alternate timeline or the future timeline, but yeah. I, I think our... this. The main character's timeline is actually the alternate timeline, and that Trunks is living in what really should have happened to Earth and our Z fighters, right? Yeah. Am I wrong? Because I feel that way. No, no, that that makes sense to me. Uh, I mean, our character's timeline, like Goku's timeline, would not have happened if not for Trunks. So, time travel. Am I right? It's wacky. <laughs> but we also get the. Let's see. Um, They tell us that as the Supreme Kai, uh, Black used the time ring to jump to Trunks' timeline. That's where he recruited the other Zamasu, or Zamasu of Trunks' timeline. Uh, They used the Super Dragon Balls to wish for an immortal body for Zamasu. And then after that, they destroyed the Super Dragon Ball so that nobody else could use them. And for some reason, people call Zamasu the bad guy when he got rid of the Dragon Balls, which were the biggest problem <laughs> with consequences in this whole show. That's true. I think true. he was actually doing, uh, he, he was doing God's work. <laughs> I mean, he certainly thinks so. so. <laughs> uh, speaking of God. Oh, yeah. He- also, <laughs> Black and Zamasu then spent their time killing every god and Kai of every universe in Future Trunks' timeline. Which is pretty freaking crazy when you think about it. And what was it? There were a few reasons why this was possible. Because we know that if you kill the Supreme Kai, its destroyer dies with them, so... Right. That covers the whole, how did Zamasu get rid of Beerus? Well, the Supreme Kai. And then you yeah. think, well, Whis, well, turns out when your uh, destroyer god is is relinquished or gone or destroyed or whatever, 
I believe the angels are forced back to, I guess, their home realm or their home world until they find a new destroyer. So at that point, it's actually very conceivable that Zamasu could go through and clear out all the all the deities in his universe. It actually wouldn't even be that difficult. No, I mean, it, it's it's a clever plan, right? Because they probably went after all of the Kais rather than going after the destroyer gods or really just going after whichever one was weaker or whichever one was easier to take out. Uh, obviously, if they had to deal with a, a Beerus or a Champa or something, they, they might be in trouble. But uh, just taking out their Kais, simple work. And Zamasu, he's, he's not below sneaking up and lying and betraying and stabbing in the back either. So if you weren't expecting a Kai to show up and kill you, what? why would you have your defenses up? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so we basically, let's see, we get Goku fighting against Black and Zamasu in this moment. I think that they pretty much beat up Trunks and Vegeta and kind of knocked them out of the picture. And in that moment, Zamasu asks Goku why he hasn't uh, inquired about Chi-Chi and Goten in their timeline, in Zamasu's timeline. And uh, we kind of get this gruesome history of the original Zamasu, who is now black, basically using the Super Dragon Balls to take over and switch bodies with Goku. And we get a pretty funny scene of seeing Goku's body turn into Zamasu's. And we even get the the voices change. So basically, Zamasu's voice actor is now having to play as Goku, uh, which is pretty fun. But then black shows up so zamasu with goku's body killing goku in zamasu's body this is confusing but <laughs> then I mean, also... time travel it has to be <laughs> yeah body swapping with time travel there's a lot going on here mm-hmm. but then he also murders chi chi and goten uh and when goku finds out about this oh boy <laughs> yeah this is the the patented goku rage mode which i think everyone loves seeing goku more or less goes unhinged and starts just going on the offense yeah there's a couple of kind of fun sequences here i will say i i felt like the fight animation was lacking and i i actually put a note in here that sean shemmel's audio delivery kind of outshines the animation (laughs) it really does the like the animation it felt flat weightless and a lot of just kind of punching at air at each other. It was what should have been a really fun, impactful scene was kind of, it was kind of a letdown, especially since I love seeing Mad Goku and this was kind of a shell of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The only the only note I have that's contrary to that is that Zamasu getting casually backfisted in the face felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I think everyone liked that. Yeah. But uh, after that, I think uh, I think Goku gets taken out at that point by black is that right yeah uh at some point during the fight black decides to just turn up the heat and he ends up just beating down goku who falls to the ground defeated and despite all the the rage and power that goku had it almost seems like goku black didn't even really have to try terribly hard to do it almost like the two were actually on entirely different levels yeah yeah which is pretty wild 
but I he more or less takes Goku out without too much trouble at that point. And then Trunks kind of comes back in the scene and we get to see Black basically blames Trunks for the events leading to his timeline's destruction, which is not only interesting, but also maybe a sort of like gaslighting here. But yeah, it definitely I definitely do think there was gaslighting there. But also there's a little nugget of truth somewhere in there because there wouldn't be two Zamasus if Trunks hadn't traveled through time. And yeah, it's at that point, it's more or less the butterfly effect. You don't know if this would have happened or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically because Trunks traveled back in time to deliver the the heart uh, medicine to Goku. If he hadn't done that, not only would there not be multiple timelines, but Goku would not have been alive to then later challenge Zamasu to a sparring match, which Goku challenging Zamasu to a sparring match was kind of the catalyst for Zamasu going down the path of the zero mortal plan in the end. Yeah, and he he blames everything on Trunks, calls him evil, and explains that this is why mortals need to be wiped out. And Trunks responds with, I think this is a good line. If you say my choices mm-hmm. make me evil, then that's what I'll be. And at this point, Trunks reaches down and summons a giant pillar of energy that just kind of envelops his what looks like Super Saiyan 2 form. Right. And this is where we get his, what has been dubbed the Super Saiyan rage form. And he basically ends up with this kind of bluish aura inside of the yellow Super Saiyan aura. Now, I have some strong feelings about this, and they're not very positive. (laughs) Oh boy, here we go. I think Super Saiyan Rage is a bogus transformation. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't he just go Super Saiyan 3, right? That would have been cool. I would have been fine with that. Um, It would have made more sense. It would have made more sense within the the lore of Super Saiyan transformations and uh, just Dragon Ball in general. But... I feel like Trunks deserves a power-up. I mean, it, through his rage, honestly, I, I feel like he should have gotten a power-up when his mother died. Um, but this transformation feels not only lacking, it feels insulting, and it feels hard to explain within the realm of transformations. Like, What does it, it mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he kind of has this bluish aura, which, you know... Vegeta and Goku have a blue aura when they're in Super Saiyan God form. So are we trying to say that he's like combining God key with the Super Saiyan form or like he's on the edge of getting God key or something? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It feels silly. And like they just were throwing out another transformation to give him a power up. Yeah, I was honestly, I didn't know it was actually considered a whole new form. I thought it was just him emanating rage energy that. If it's a whole new form, then that's confusing. It's also, you know, Vegeta and Goku are Super Saiyan Blue, which is two or three forms above where Trunks is right now. Right. And so it would have felt good if Trunks could have gotten one step closer. You got him like half a step closer. <laughs> like you gave him the, the tiniest little bit of a boost and then called it a day. Come on. Trunks is actually fighting, at least I think, on similar ground as Goku and Vegeta in their blue forms 
And Trunks still just limping along with the Super Saiyan 2 BS. Yeah, absolutely. And Trunks has been through enough that, I mean, if we if we assume, I mean, through most of our transformations, rage has been the trigger, especially for the, the traditional Super Saiyan line. And so he's been through enough stuff where he probably, you know, should have plenty of transformations in the bag at this point. Yeah, uh, something, anything. Just get him something so that way we're not chumming around with the Super Saiyan 2 when everyone else is in blue form because it's it's insultingly, I guess, like, low level at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's This just frustrates me more than anything. I will kind of see what they do with it in the next episode here, but I I just had to vent about that briefly. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that was considered a whole new form. Uh, that that does kind of make me... And I mean, I don't know. Trunks needs something. Yeah, I, and I think, to your point, I mean, it, it's been dubbed Super Saiyan Rage, and, you know, it's he's it's kind of like a transformation, but like you're saying, it's hard to even tell that it's a transformation, which is another kind of problem that I have with it. Um it's just weird. It falls into a weird place. Just give the man an, an upgrade. Give him give him a tune-up. That's all we're asking for. That's right. But uh, outside of my complaining about that, what did you think about the, that episode, Dayton? This episode was kind of a lot in this episode. A lot of feelings. A lot of ups and downs with this episode. So there are some things that I love and some things that I don't love. Um, so... I'm going to give this the the mixed bag rating. It's not bad. It's not good. It's But some things are bad and some things are good. So eh, take the good, I guess. Yeah. This, I mean, we spent a decent amount of time talking about this, but there's, there's a lot dumped on the audience in this episode as everybody is kind of trying to follow along with who Black is, how, Zamas, how there's two Zamasus and which timelines they're from. It's a lot of information, and it's, uh, well, Krillin will kind of sum it up for us in the next episode, <laughs> I think. But uh, Yeah, there's, and both of us discussed before we started this episode about how many notes we had, and even now we're kind of skimming through and going through them quickly. We're just kind of skipping a lot of stuff that's sort of relevant, but not super relevant, and it's it's hard to get the whole picture without actually watching the whole thing and paying close attention. Yeah, yeah. I think Dayton and I already expressed we we like this arc for the most part. It's probably one of the better stories, I think, is the way that you put it, Dayton. Uh, but, man, there's a lot. It's hard to follow, and there are definitely some points that could have been improved upon. Yeah, the 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 execution is where I have a lot of my complaints. The, the villain's great. I think it's a good, fun story. It's something different uh, compared to a lot of other Dragon Ball we've seen. It feels like there could be consequences. I like this story a lot, but yeah. man, it's easy to get tripped up with the way that they, they tell this story. Absolutely. I think that's going to take us on to the next episode, which is... Episode 62, I'll Protect the World, Trunks' Angry Superpower Explosion. <laughs> so this is kind of where we're going to see this Super Saiyan rage in action. And I will give it credit here in that at least we're getting to see Trunks kick some ass. And, uh, you know, 
if nothing else, if Super Saiyan Rage does nothing else for us, I do appreciate that it lets us see Trunks actually be relevant in his own story. I mean, yeah, we've at this point, Trunks has only been kind of slapped around a bunch and kind of expecting other people to do the heavy lifting. I mean, hell, even Vegeta slapped around Trunks. We really haven't seen him kind of step in and and be a badass. And you got to remember, Trunks, he's been saving the the his world pretty much by himself, whether it was with the uh, Boo or um, he had to go back and defeat the androids and all this other stuff like Trunks should be a pretty powerful guy. Yeah, 100%. And we do get to see that payoff here a little bit, but Super Saiyan Rage is is not enough. Uh, Trunks, you know, is fighting. He tries. Uh, Vegeta ends up kind of coming back into the fray, but he is basically told by Trunks to get out of here. Trunks is telling him, I'll hold off Zamasu and Black. You guys use the time machine and go back to the past and, you know, we'll kind of figure it out from there. Oh, boy. And during these battles, they there were some recycled animations that they used multiple <laughs> times in a row that really, really bothered me. Did you did you notice that? I had a note about that. I I didn't bring it up, but I totally noticed it. And it's it's super unfortunate because, again, I want to see Trunks do some cool stuff and he does, but it doesn't look great. No, <laughs> it's really not good. Yeah, so we get some not-so-great-looking battling. Uh, Trunks holds off the Z- Zamasu and Goku Black while Vegeta and Goku travel back to our timeline again. <laughs> it's, it, the execution is just, at this point, it's becoming a little, little tiresome. Yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, spoilers this is not the last time they go back to the past (laughs) and uh yeah we get uh i think around this time we get chi chi being angry and cooking dinner which is a trope that just needs to go away it's not i don't like it (laughs) no it's not funny at this point like yeah there's i don't know this episode is it's probably a good example of all the things that are wrong with not just this this saga or storyline. It's Dragon Ball Super does a lot of this sort of thing where you get repeating results and you get kind of old bits that aren't really funny and characters are thrown under the bus for a cheap laugh. And there's a lot of that in this episode. Right. Yeah. And it, it's something where they're they're probably in a hard spot, admittedly, because Dragon Ball is over 30 years old. And so they're they're trying to stay true to what Dragon Ball used to be while also modernizing it. It makes it feel awkward at times, which is unfortunate. But for the most part, we kind of zoom through this episode. There's one line in here that I like from Krillin as our Z fighters are kind of giving an exposition dump of, you know, what happened in the future timeline. And Krillin just says, I'm lost. Can we see a flowchart or something? <laughs> a flowchart would be great. Which is fantastic because I'm pretty sure when I was watching this originally, I looked up a flowchart because I was confused. <laughs> I mean, about the most relevant thing that happens happens towards the end of this episode, and that's Goku begins training and learning the evil containment wave, 
and Vegeta spends time in the hyperbolic time chamber. Right. And the, these are important here. I really like that this is a callback to the original Dragon Ball. And they even show it where Master Roshi attempted to lock King Piccolo into a container with the evil containment wave. So this is a great OG Dragon Ball pull and bringing that back to the fore, which I really, really like. It's awesome. It's I mean, it, it, it's such a fun technique too. you take the bad guy, you stick him in a jar, you slap a charm on there. Don't forget your charm. And then you are you won the day. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's it's a great way to deal with an opponent that is, you know, whether it be stronger than you is kind of what they used it for previously. but. I had never even considered until they brought it up in Super using it on somebody who has wished for either invincibility or immortality. Uh, this would have been great for Garlic Jr. <laughs> eh? Eh? Uh, no, this is a great callback, and I like that they brought it back. This is this is calling back to old Dragon Ball correctly, and I'm so glad they did it. Um, yeah, I agree. But uh, as we... I think I've already said my feelings on this episode. So you want to yeah. dive into the next one? <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on. I'm not a huge fan of that one either. Good callback though. Yeah. Uh, so episode 63, don't defile Saiyan cells. The curtain rises on Vegeta's intense battle. Um, yeah, that's some word soup there. Uh, <laughs> so Vegeta leaves the hyperbolic time chamber, destroying it. I'm honestly not sure why anyone does anything nice for him because he's kind of a jerk about it. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Goku masters the Maf. I'm sorry. Mafuba. I told Dayton I was going to say it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Cause evil containment wave is a mouthful and Mafuba is just easier to say. <laughs> uh, how do you say special beam cannon in, in Japanese? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yep. You got it. Uh, but uh <laughs> so vegeta blows out of the time chamber uh we get a scene where trunks is alive and super beat up but don't worry yajirobe mama birds i'm a bean i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah that was both funny and awkward we'll we'll call it that um, i mean i'm just at this point it's just like oh somebody's hurt they got fed a sensu bean i think this has happened like five times now so <laughs> a lot a lot absolutely uh, we do get the scene with uh, my versus black here is what I have it written down as. But is this basically... the assassination attempt? Yeah. Yeah. She's got a, a bullet. I think she said that Balma brought it and it's supposed to be she uses some number like five or ten times kinetic energy of a normal bullet or something. Um, and she shoots it black from a distance and she basically misses she kind of i think grazes his ear more or less and i mean if uh, initially my impression of this was wow that's stupid why would you do that that would never work but if the resurrection f arc is anything to go off of if you you know hit somebody when they're unaware you can still kill somebody who has a bajillion power level so or when curling through a rocket goku's head in the cell saga <laughs> that's right still hurting so i mean it's honestly i love the idea i love the resistance actually going on the attack and doing something covert and 
and kind of unexpected. But it didn't result in anything, so it kind of felt like a waste of time. Like, if... I guess Goku Black would have been severely wounded or something, and this could have set up an opportunity for the future or something like that. I would have loved this. But it's another just pointless drama scene where nothing actually ha- nothing changes as a result of this. Yeah, it's it's just a throwaway. And that's one of my biggest problems with this arc is there's a lot of those. We're going to see one coming up here in a second, too, or yeah. in a few episodes at least. Um, but... Basically, what ends up happening, I'm I'm glad that they did what how they resolved this part here, though, because Mai doesn't just escape necessarily. Trunks shows up and Trunks saves Mai as well as the other soldiers, uh, which is much better than them just kind of escaping. Getting lucky. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who knows? Um, and so we get Trunks having to fight against both Black and Zamasu. And I I did have a note here that the animation for this sequence actually had improved. So I was uh, happy to see that that had the the fight scene here was a little bit better, at least. Well, that's good. I mean, at least they're occasionally having some decent animation in in this saga. Yeah, I was pretty pleased with that. We actually get a pretty cool shot of Trunks. Basically, he had a tactic where he he said that uh, Zamasu is overconfident when he attacks. So he was going to wait for Zamasu to attack, and then he was going to uh, attack Black with everything he had. So he charges up his Gallic gun and blasts Black with his uh, key attack. And he kind of, you get the this shot of like Black kind of disappearing. So you're like, oh, is he dead? What happened? Um, but Black was not killed. Uh, what? So we, Are you saying yeah. Super Saiyan 2 Trunks didn't kill uh, Rose Black, who's stronger than Super Saiyan Blue, Vegeta, and Goku? <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> uh, I think Black basically runs Trunks through with his key blade, and that's where our Z fighters with Bulma, Goku, and Vegeta make their way Back to the future again to save Trunks. They show up just in time to intervene before anything too bad happens to Trunks. But as they jump, as all of them jump out of the single-seater time machine, uh, (laughs) the time machine is blown up, and it appears that they are no longer able to travel through time, and we find out that the evil containment jar was left in the time machine. (laughs) Here's another slightly stupid Goku moment. Uh, (laughs) Also, I do want to point out that I'm glad that Black finally decided to do something about the time machine. (laughs) This is his second time destroying the time machine. Oh, you're right. Actually, you're right. Good point. (laughs) How many times Um, does he have to kill the dang time machine before it stays dead? that's, That's true, yeah. And I think... Most of the other times, the time machine has not been visible to him, so yeah, we'll give him a pass. It's been a, I didn't have a chance, or they disappeared right before I could do something, your kind of cliche getaway. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely, they've gotten away in the time machine while he's been there multiple times, I guess just in the nick of time. Um, the unique thing but, about this, though, is that not long after the Z Fighters kind of confront Black and Zamasu, uh, Goasu actually arrives with Supreme Kai to speak to Zamasu, and it doesn't take long for uh 
Zamasu to basically shut down the conversation and kind of show that he's kind of beyond reach at this point and he's set in his ways. Right. And if I remember correctly, this is Goasu from Goku's timeline. Yeah. I think he used the uh, the ring to travel there or something like that. I'm trying to remember. Right. Yeah. He's got the, what is the original time ring on? And he's also accompanied by our Supreme Kai, Shin. And, and they are, I mean, they're trying to talk Zamasu down, but uh, I think Zamasu is beyond reasoning with at this point. Yeah. And, uh, so once they figure out that talking's not going to work, the battle more or less begins, and the Supreme Kai and Goasu are kind of, I guess, a risk at this point because the, yeah. the power level of all these beings are just way beyond them. Yeah, Goku and Vegeta actually have to step in to save the two Supreme Kais, and that's kind of where things jump off here. Uh <laughs> I think that Goku asks Vegeta which one he wants to take, and Vegeta's like, oh, I'm kicking your ass, but your ass over there. Um, <laughs> which is fun. It, there's actually, this sequence has some b- better animation, too. It really the... does. It it actually has a little bit of weight behind the blows. There's a little bit of thought behind some of the techniques. It's it's a yes. decent little exchange. It's short, but it's it's good. It is short, you're right. Uh, but it's it feels really good watching Vegeta beat the snot out of black here. Uh, this is this is really fun. And this is kind of getting the payoff from the hyperbolic time chamber too, which is good. Yeah, and there's a there's a great exchange between Vegeta and Black where Vegeta brings up the fact that he didn't earn that body and that all of his uh, power was attained secondhand and that Goku worked his whole life to achieve it. And I love that Vegeta just, I guess, more or less puts Goku Black in his uh, place and discredits everything that he has. Yeah, it's it's not only... I mean, there's so many great elements to this. I think he calls him a, a Saiyan imposter, saying he didn't earn his power. A thief. But yeah, yeah. And the other thing that's great about this, though, is that not only is Vegeta kind of pushing his Saiyan pride agenda, as per usual, but in many ways, he's recognizing Goku. He's recognizing Kakarot and the fact that he's put in the work to get where he is rather than, you know, what Zamasu has done and just use the Dragon Balls to wish for power. I I think in Vegeta's eyes, he wants things to be where Vegeta is the most powerful person in the universe and Goku's allowed to be the second because he's a Saiyan and anyone else is more or less your garbage. Get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, if Vegeta had a wish on the Super Dragon Balls. That would be the universe that he would create. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He doesn't need a wish. That's just the way it is. And you need to accept that. (laughs) That's just the way it is in his brain. You're absolutely right. (laughs) And yeah, Um, to be fair, he probably would not use a wish. Because as we see. I mean, even Goku didn't like the uh, the Super Saiyan God transformation because the power didn't feel earned. Which yeah. I think that's awesome. I love that they're all work ethic. They want to earn everything that they get. I completely agree. That's one of the, my favorite elements about the Saiyans. And, and the the last most important thing that happened this episode is that Trunks and Bulma decide to glue the evil containment jar back together. 
I mean, I both thought this was ridiculous and also got a laugh out of it. So it kind of evened out for me. <laughs> for me, it was like, why even destroy the jar? It was like, <laughs> if you're just going to glue it back together. Yeah. What are you I mean, doing? Right. Uh, uh, from the writer's perspective, right? Like, it, I guess it creates another layer of tension or an obstacle for them to overcome. Uh, there's another part of me that's like, why didn't you just keep the, the jar in a capsule or something? <laughs> or just, I don't know. You had the jar the whole time and it didn't get destroyed and we don't have to worry about gluing it back together now. I don't know. It could have been. This is it. I, I get so upset because I think this is such a great story, but there's so many unnecessary things that they put in the way of getting to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I very much agree with you. And it's, that's why we're complaining is because we like it. We just wish they would get rid of the bad elements. <laughs> but uh, what but, do you think about that episode as a whole? Yeah. So that one. I'm okay with most of it. Uh, I feel like the the my with the bullet thing, I was kind of eh about, like, like you said, nothing really came of it. And I liked that the animation was better in here through most of the fight sequences. And seeing Trunks use, at this point, we've seen Trunks use the final flash, the Gallic gun, and earlier, I don't think we mentioned it, but he used the Masenko. Oh, so, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing him use all of these just different techniques that he's learned from the people that have trained him. I really, really like that a lot. So good nod for the episode in that point. Uh, and then the the container stuff is stupid. I, they, I don't know why they did it. it. It makes no sense. For, for me, it's I felt like the... The majority of the first half of this episode just was slow and I just weird things were happening. And then I would say the second half or towards the tail end of the second half, like the, uh, I liked the way that they were kind of tying it up or whatever. It's right, we're putting the jar back together. Oh, thank God. I'm so glad we didn't go through all the Goku training for it to not matter. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I just, I really think without the Vegeta recognition of Goku's hard work and the stolen body dialogue, I probably would not have too favorable of a view of this episode, but I really like that little exchange right there, so that kind of salvages it for me. Yeah, that scene along with Vegeta just pummeling Black, I I really enjoyed that scene a lot, so it's, yeah... It, that's probably the the best part of that episode. This this is another mixed bag episode where I think I probably lean towards it's not the greatest episode, but there's a few good parts in there. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think that pretty much takes us over to the next episode, which is episode 64, Praise and Adore Him, The Explosive Birth of Merged Zamasu. Here we go. So, we basically start off here again with Vegeta versus Black. And uh, it's actually going pretty well in Vegeta's favor still here, surprisingly. And then Black kind of figures out what the Saiyans are doing and how they're getting their power. And he, he says it's, it's through rage. And so as a immortal Kai, mm -hmm. he's been above that but he then decides well i'm going to you know channel all of my rage against you mortals 
And that's when we get Scythe Black. Oh, boy. So what do you think about uh, an energy scythe? Have we seen, like, an actual, I guess, more martial <sighs> weapon made out of energy before? Because I've seen, like, the the blades before. I think we've seen uh, Gogeta use it against Boo, was it? So, Vegito, yeah. Vegeta. What's the difference between Gogeta and Vegito? Not much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Vegito's the Patara earrings and Gogeta's the dance, though. Well, thank God we have that difference. <laughs> right, that's about it. I'll have some complaints about that when we get to see oh, stuff right. coming up here, too. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to tip our hand too much on that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what do you think about forming martial weapons out of energy? It's a little bit weird. I So I wanted to talk about this, especially as we're moving forward into the next couple of episodes, because Zamasu and Black, together they have techniques that I would say do not feel very Dragon Ball. However, I don't think that this is a bad thing. Uh, many Dragon Ball techniques to me feel kind of samey, like... You know, the Masenko, the Gallic Gun, the Kamehameha, the Final Flash, they're all just energy beams with different colors. And so as much as I love that, I mean, I love me a good beam struggle. I like seeing something different. However, <laughs> the scythe is kind of pushing it for me. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it's just a strong attempt to kind of be symbolic, right? It's kind of the reference right. to the Grim Reaper. He's the, you know, he's the slayer of mortals sort of thing. So it was... Does it make sense logically? I don't think so, but they're trying to do a symbolic thing here, and I don't know. It's I didn't I didn't understand it, but at the same time, I'm just I'm gonna roll with it and see where they go with it. That's kind of how I felt about it. Like I'll I'll give it a pass, as kind of weird and goofy as it might be. Um, but we basically get black shooting an energy attack from the scythe and tearing a hole in reality apparently and which at first i thought this was really cool i mean did you think that something else was going to happen with it well when he you know he swings that thing around and this all-powerful weapon is so strong that it can rip apart reality that seems pretty cool to me but yeah. it's the stuff that happens a little later where <laughs> i started having some weird questions about it I yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Uh, all through this interaction, uh, Vegeta and Black are basically fighting each other. Goku is keeping Zamasu tied up here, and this is good. I mean, they they actually have a little bit of a plan here between Goku and Vegeta, which is better than the other times that they've come to the future timeline. Um, even if they're, uh, dang it, even if they're evil containment wave yeah it's not your muffin thing or whatever it's called (laughs) muffin button (laughs) (laughs) uh even if their evil containment wave plan is not gone according to plan (laughs) (sighs) yeah well i at least the jar is complete now uh and so neat yeah, I mean, they've got a jar. It's glued back together. Uh, Trunks has used his super gluing skills to fix the jar. That's so weird. Yeah, so <laughs> we find out that the, the jar is complete again. Um, and we also find out that pouring from this scar ripped in reality, uh, there are more Goku Blacks pouring from it 
and we find Vegeta and Goku now surrounded by seven, eight, nine more Goku blacks who, when struck, turn into like a mist and then reform and strike with all the same hitting power of Goku Black. It's a very strange scene that, don't worry, does not get explained, really. It's a little bit weird. These guys are like putties. Or really, what this reminds me of is if you've ever seen the, I want to call it the Christmas special because of Dragon Ball Z abridged, but the the uh, the OVA uh, plan to eradicate the Saiyans, where there's basically like this smoke version of Frieza, uh, I almost said cold, Frieza, Cooler, and Lord Slug, Turles. There might be one more that I'm missing in there. But they basically are like smoke monster reincarnations. And when they hit them, they turn into smoke. So they had to destroy the smoke machine. Uh, this is kind of what that this reminds me of. It's a weird little I think I've seen some that. clips from that, but I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. Yeah, just watch the Christmas special that Dragon Ball Z abridged does. It's way better. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's bad that I think a lot of the times the abridged stuff is more entertaining to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, we man. basically get bubblegum hair copies of uh, Black here. Uh, they're They're kind of doing a number on Goku and Vegeta and... The plan here is that Black is using them to tie up Goku and Vegeta while Zamasu goes to deal with Trunks, Mai, and Bulma. And so we, I believe Trunks, Mai, and Bulma figure out that Zamasu is heading their way. And so they decide that Trunks needs to learn the evil containment wave in the next few minutes using a cell phone video of Piccolo doing it. And so Trunks is given this cell phone video while Balma walks out to try and flirt with Zamasu to try and buy time. This is wild. This is like, I I made the joke to Dayton before recording that uh, Trunks is basically using a YouTube video to learn how to do the Mafuba. And... Oh, boy. He learns it in, like, five minutes, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, if you thought Goku was quick at learning techniques, yeah, Trunks has a whole new track or new record that he just set. Yeah, for comparison, Goku took an entire day, as far as we were shown. Uh, He took a day learning directly from Master Roshi and practicing the technique to learn the Mafuba. Sorry, evil containment wave. (laughs) The Makan Soka... Makansoka special bean can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so at this point, Trunks walks out and he pulls off a perfect evil containment wave and uh, Zamasu stuffed in the evil containment jar. And the battle looks like it's won, right? All right, it's over. We got the bad guy trapped. Yeah, the invisible guy's totally trapped forever and could never escape. Yeah, except uh, come to find out, Goku forgot to bring the charm that you need to put on the jar to keep him trapped. So another dumb Goku moment that doesn't need to be here. How many tallies is that on the dumb Goku board? Is that six, seven, eight? I've lost track at this point. Yeah, at this point. If I were doing shots, I wouldn't be able to keep doing this podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, good thing it's not a drinking game. But yeah, this is this is terrible. I, I'm just going to come out and say it. This is bad. I Especially because... The part that I 
like about this the least, I mean, not only the stupid Goku, that's, you know, we've seen that a lot at this point, but the fact that they are basically making all of their efforts learning the Mafuba and bringing the Mafuba back completely pointless. And that's a very core, I guess, part, like a pillar of Dragon Ball throughout the whole thing is that hard work and, and commitment is how you do almost anything in this. And this just felt like it all that was bypassed, all the hard work. And Goku, who is known for seeing something and being able to like replicate it and learn very quickly, it took him an entire day to do it. Trunks learned it in five minutes watching a video. It felt really <laughs> shoehorned in. And on top of shoehorning it in, it also didn't matter. So it's you kind of shatter one of the walls in Dragon Ball, one of the pillars, and then you make it count for nothing. It's it's overall it's just a bad just piece of writing. Yeah, one hundred percent. The only thing that I do like about this that they don't capitalize on is that my basically is kind of helping with you know holding the container, so helping as much as she can in this uh this technique and trunks is casting the evil containment wave on zamasu so the two people who have been fighting the hardest in this future timeline are doing this together to trap zamasu in this container and this would have been an excellent moment to let them get this win and to trap zamasu in here and then they don't capitalize on it they all of that was for nothing basically don't worry, Trunks, I'm sure we'll get a win later. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, You want to talk about rage. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't, save, it for, save it for the next episode of Instant Transmission. <laughs> uh, so Zamasu breaks out of the char, or breaks out of the jar because Goku forgot the charm. And uh, Goku Black senses that Zamasu's energy is severely diminished and decides to instant transmission over to see what the heck's going on and at this point uh zamasu explains that these mortals that everything that they had thought about them was wrong and that they are much more dangerous than they had previously expected and so at this point they put on the earrings and goku black and zamasu begin to fuse and at this point we are introduced to this new zamasu with an all hail Zamasu line. Yeah, yeah. This is this is pretty cool. I, I'll be honest. I I liked this. I also like, even though they didn't use the mo- evil containment wave <laughs> the way that I wanted. I like that it basically. I'm going to phrase it this way intentionally. Put the fear of God in Zamasu, and as a result, he's like, "Hey, you know, no more messing around." We're going to use the Patar earrings and we're going to end this. Yeah, because if you think you're immortal and invincible and like something is able to make you fear for your life, that would probably scare the hell out of you. So I'm really glad that he he reacted very harshly to to the evil containment wave. I liked that a lot. I as much as I don't like what they did with the talisman and forgetting it or the charm, I I liked how that affected Zamasu and. I wasn't expecting them to fuse originally when I saw this the first time. I w- I was a little bit thrown off by that, but I mean, I guess I should have seen it coming. They both had the Patara earrings. Uh, yeah, but at this point, half the people there are wearing Patara earrings, so it's... <laughs> we could have 18 fusions if we wanted to right now. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. I want to see it. 
<laughs> yeah, so but, I think uh, that pretty much wraps up that episode, and it's, I mean, I feel like that episode's a mess. I really do. That episode just, it doesn't flow well. There's a lot of plot holes. I'm second-guessing a lot of things. There's more dumb Goku in it. It should have been a really entertaining episode, but there's only a couple slim pickings as far as things that I did actually like. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I was initially thinking that that episode was kind of a mixed bag, but really it's mostly bad, honestly. The the very tail end is kind of like the the best part is seeing the evil containment wave in use, uh seeing Zamasu afraid of the evil containment wave and then the fusion. Those are probably the best elements to that episode, and those are all within the past, the last four minutes of it, I think. I would say, yeah, that's only a few minutes of that episode. The rest of it is just kind of head-scratching and what's going on, and why did they why they choose to do that? So I, that one's not, that one's one of my lower-ranking episodes, but I do think it gets better from there. It absolutely does. I think that kind of takes us over to the next episode. Which is episode 65, Final Judgment, The Supreme God's Ultimate Power. And that title just has so much just oomph to it. And I freaking love it. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I I love the way Fused Zamasu is presented here. He has this almost like ethereal rainbow glowing aura about him. And he feels his attitude, his presence, his art, all of it feels very holier than thou, very just above all of these mortals in his world. I love it. There's actually a lot of effort that's put into a lot of these encounters with Zamasu. Um, in the future trunk storyline to make sure that he's floating above the Z fighters, that he's always looking down on them. And I love that yep. little attention to detail. That's a really good point. And pretty much right off the bat here too, we get another little piece of symbolism as Zamasu sprouts this light halo behind him. And, you know, he just, he's rocking this God, presentation hardcore it's great <laughs> yeah because we we see Weiss and the other angels have a, a similar halo to that but this one it's there's little spikes that come out the side of it and it's i think there's it's almost like two of them wrapped in each other like it's right. it's above and beyond even what the angels wore you can tell that he's he's definitely trying to set himself above even the angels yeah yeah absolutely and from that, we get to see kind of his first attack as Hughes Zamasu against our Z fighters. And it's this purple lightning that strikes down from his halo. And uh, we get a little bit of a like a beam struggle from Goku and Vegeta with this lightning. Um, but they they're struggling. Uh then we get another new attack from Fuse Zamasu with these like key swords that just come spiraling down hundreds of them that then explode across the landscape. I actually loved that technique so much. It felt awesome. And it's kind of a like Zamasu, he kind of relied on the blade and light energy blast as far as the way he fought. And then Goku Black relied a little bit more heavily on the blade. So combining mm-hmm. the energy blast with the blades. Love it. Just, I think everything with this new Zamasu transformation is good. I love the presentation. I love the new abilities. I love the way he fights. 
So already I'm sold. I want to see what happens with this character. Yeah, 100%. And this is some of the other stuff that I was talking about where I I like that Zamasu's techniques feel different. They don't feel like traditional Dragon Ball techniques. And it's in some ways it might feel out of place, but I'm glad that they're kind of diversifying things. And I guess Maybe. when you think about it, it should feel out of place, right? Because this is a, yeah. a deity. This is something that's different than mortals. And especially when we've spent so much time in Dragon Ball and on Earth and fighting like other martial artists and that kind of set that that pace. And even when you look at the Saiyans, they're just kind of a warrior race and they're going to have the same kind of training and martial arts and culture. And Zamasu's a whole different thing. He's not a martial artist. He's something completely different. And so I he should feel different. Yeah, yeah. And those are all really good points. And from this sword explosion technique, we do get to kind of see the the uh humans who are underground, they're they're almost getting buried alive. They kind of have to try to escape and make their way to the surface. And so many of them at this point are just downtrodden and they're like they see this god-like figure and they're like what are we gonna do how can we survive this they've a lot of them have given up at this point it's it's showing us just how dire this situation is and when you look at the group at the start of the future trunks arc there was probably a few dozen of them maybe several dozen now there's maybe a dozen there are very few people left and yeah, there's. I wouldn't see much hope either if I were them. Uh, they attempt to leave their underground area as it's collapsing on them. As someone steps outside, a arc of this purple lightning goes buzzing by, and one person's evaporated instantly right before their very eyes. It's uh, it's a tense situation. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it, it would absolutely be terrifying. It, it's super scary to see somebody just get vaporized in front of your eyes. And we kind of cut back to the the fight with uh, Zamasu, and he ends up summoning behind him this kind of almost ethereal, purple, angel-like figure, just giant behind him, that uh, begins to shoot his lightning attacks. And I had to kind of laugh at how they solved this problem, if only because... Goku and Vegeta charge in together and it really reminded me of the Dragon Ball Z abridged cooler movie Metal Cooler where they're, uh, <laughs> Vegeta's like if you say hit it really hard <laughs> I will kick you in the nuts <laughs> where Goku's <laughs> like well we could hit it really hard mm-hmm. together <laughs> <laughs> and it works right <laughs> I mean, yeah, they hit it really hard together, and it works mm-hmm. both times, actually. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, so they, they... it sort of works. Um, I guess they they actually make it to Zamasu, right? But I believe once they make it to him, they land a blow, but he's able to grab a hold of them, and and almost looks like he almost breaks their bones or something. Like it's a devastating just attack or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's kind of strange. You almost hear like this cracking noise and like lightning goes through their arms and their arms kind of deform. Uh, it's 
again, not, it's unlike anything that we've seen in the past. And Zamasu does it effortlessly. He just kind of puts them in their place and knocks them to the ground. And that's when we get to see Trunks come onto the scene. Yeah, uh, Trunks shows up and he sees Vegeta lying on the ground and uh, he decides at that point that he's he's pissed off, he's going to defend his father, and he begins charging up a huge Gallic gun that uh, Zamasu responds in kind with his own Kai Blast. And we now have a, a Kai struggle between Zamasu and Trunks. Then Trunks is being pushed back up until... Vegeta comes in. <laughs> <laughs> we get the father-son Gallic gun wombo combo, and they are able to push back uh, Zamasu's blast and actually overpower him for the first time since they fused. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This feels like very obvious fan service, but I totally bought into this fan service. I had fun like, with it. I didn't care. Yeah, I mean, just having the parallel between... Goku and Gohan's father-son Kamehameha and getting to see Trunks and Vegeta do a father-son Gallic gun. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so much fun. I really do love it. And it's one of those things where anytime you see Vegeta kind of be fatherly, you got to just take it. Yeah, 100%. But you want to so... know what's going to make that moment feel super good and warm and fuzzy? Oh boy, what's that? Uh, Goku getting into a Kai struggle with Zamasu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i do want to point out too before we move further that uh when trunks initially attacks zamasu he attacks him with his sword and zamasu snaps the blade right off of his sword and that's going to be important later that's true and yeah i wanted to get into the father-son gallic gun wombo combo i i mean i don't blame you i, I love that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, trunks sword is broken vegeta and Trunks were able to overpower Zamasu, and now Goku's giving his own little Kai struggle here at the end of the episode. Yeah, that that pretty much it ends off with that key struggle. And the only other little thing that I wanted to note there is that we do get the a name for this key blast from Zamasu, and he calls it the Holy Wrath, which I thought was kind of fun. I I mean I liked it. It was you know again it's just another key blast, but it's pretty entertaining and with a good name. I mean, it's, it also speaks to, I guess his his hubris, right? He's, he thinks of himself as God and he's even naming his blasts after, I guess, referencing divine, uh, anger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's very telling of his character here. Right. Um, Oh, we, we also kind of forgot that right before, uh, Goku jumps in, Vegeta gets struck down, gets like cast down with a bolt of lightning. Um, but for the most part, that's going to take us to the end where we wrap up with this key blast struggle. Uh, what did you think about this one, Dayton? Uh, great episode. It paced really well. A lot of entertaining stuff. I mean, I've got a couple little nitpicks, but other than that, I thought this was a really fun and good animation, good new techniques. A lot of, I guess good Zamasu monologues and abilities and stuff. I, I love this episode. Yeah, I agree. This episode's great. And it, it's, it especially feels great after the last episode where the pendulum is swinging from bad to good in this arc, like over and over. It really um, is. <laughs> but this episode's fantastic. I, I really like fused Zamasu. Super fun. 
So we got ourselves an awesome villain, and man, we're diving deep into the fight. And just let let's get to episode sixty six. Let's do it. Last we, one, which is showdown: the unyielding warrior's miraculous superpower. Don't know what that means, but the episode's good, so it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, we don't need to. We don't need things to make sense at this point. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, we'll start off with the least important thing, and that's uh, Goku <sighs> somehow manages to, on his own, beat Zamasu in the 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 Kai struggle. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense for Goku by himself to win the Key Blast struggle here. The, uh, I mean, he he was you know about on par with Goku Black in Rose form. So why would he be able to best Zamasu fused like this? Yeah, and it also, you just had a really cool father-son moment, and then you cheapened it by having Goku do it by himself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what What are you doing? <laughs> so please stop. You had the right thing. You didn't need to fix it. Yeah, yeah. They could have stopped that with the, the Gallic gun exchange. Um, Goku I didn't even need to be involved. But either way, Goku wins, like Goku always does, and... This time we see that uh, Zamasu actually looks like he's been hurt from this blast. There's actually a change in his his character. Um, it almost looks like half of him is actually taking some damage or turning purple or something at this point. Yeah, his body's kind of deteriorating, which is interesting. I also want to point out this entire episode, phenomenal animation. It really uh, is. Right it's really good. Yeah, right from the get-go, seeing Goku dive in there after his key blast and just give multiple kicks to Zamasu, pummeling him in this like purple deteriorating side of his face, all of that looks great. And we get a little uh, Kaioken action too while he's doing it. We do, yeah. I that was something I mentioned earlier too uh, off the podcast is that. I thought it was strange that we hadn't seen Kaioken up to this point, so I'm glad that they at least use it if briefly. Yeah, he he should have used it to actually win the the Kai blast struggle, but at least he used it afterwards. So I yeah. I guess I'll take it. Yeah, it's something. Uh, but he he does knock Zamasu down. We kind of get the impression that uh, this fused version of Zamasu might be weakening or something. Uh, even once he gets knocked down, his halo breaks, which is kind of a cool, not only a cool visual, but seems very symbolic as well. Yeah, it's it's great imagery, and we get a little explanation from Goasu that while Zamasu was invulnerable, Goku Black wasn't, and so the confined form of both of them may not be entirely invincible. Right, and this is where Zamasu starts... You know, he seems angry, which we don't necessarily see him very angry often. Uh, but he his body is changing, kind of transforming. And he almost goes what I'm calling purple Hulk mode here, where his arm just kind of gets huge to his body's proportions. Uh, and he he seems like he's charging up or something, but it, it doesn't seem like he has control of what his body's doing anymore. Yeah, it's almost like half of him is rejecting the other half is almost what it feels like. Right, yeah. And we we get a few shots of our, kind of our humans and our civilians here. Something to note is that, and we haven't really focused on them in our coverage, 
there have been two young children in Trunks's future timeline that he has saved on multiple occasions and that they have kind of shown adoration for Trunks. And in this moment, we get to see the young girl that he's kind of helped and that has been looking up to him. She's holding on to the hilt of Trunks's sword, the broken part of the blade. And it's it's kind of like, I mean, appropriately for Trunks, it is it is like this symbol of hope in this moment. Yeah, and she hands the, the broken blade back to him, and you can almost tell there's kind of a resurgence of, of I guess, hope or something in Trunks once he gets it back into his hands. Absolutely. I think before we really get to see Trunks shine here, we get maybe one of my favorite moments in Super, if only for the fan service. <laughs> but we get the... Patara earrings being handed to Goku and Vegeta from Shin, uh, our Supreme Kai. And we get the birth or the rebirth of Vegito. Or is it Gogeta? <laughs> yeah. This one, we're going to do the Patara fusion and get Vegito. The thing that I don't like, though, they sort of do a bit of a retcon. It's not it's not really a retcon because they never explained this to us. But in the Boo saga, they had the our Saiyans had basically been told by the Supreme Kai that Patara fusion was permanent. And when Vegito got absorbed by Boo he the fusion ended he separated back into his component parts of goku and vegeta now that separation was never explained a lot of the fan base kind of assumed that it had something to do with the fact that they were inside of boo's body or maybe like the magic in boo caused yeah. the fusion not to work yeah cuz boo was a, a a magical creation right he wasn't something that was natural to this universe Right, absolutely. And so people kind of thought that might have been why the fusion stopped working. But they retconned that kind of in Super, and Goasu tells us that fusion with Patar earrings is only permanent if a Kai is involved. So for mortals, it's supposed to last one hour. And my biggest problem with this is that it... it really makes the fusion between Vegeta, or I'm sorry, the fusions of Vegito and Gogeta feel way more similar than they ever did in the past because the fusion dance has a 30-minute time limit. Now the Patara Earring fusion has a one-hour time limit where before it was permanent, so, you know, you kind of had a downside to it, and now it's just, you know, which flavor of fusion do you want? Yeah, it's... It's more or less, I guess, a hand wave, so that way we can break out an old fusion, I I feel. But, I mean, the circumstances, I think, did warrant it, and you don't want to have to take all the time to unfuse the characters or something like that, so it just... There's a lot of hand-waving going on with the situation, it really feels like. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them a pass here for two reasons. One, because they never really explained how it worked in the Boo Saga, and two, because I fucking love Vegito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. They, I mean, they unfused before, so they can unfuse now. It does. It is one of those things where uh, 
Like, I wish things would have been explained better or done differently, but at the same time, there's already been this weird precedent already set, so whatever. Do what you want, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they could do what uh, Kabito and the Supreme Kai did and use the Dragon Balls to unfuse anyway, so... Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. We got the undo balls, so it do- nothing matters. Yeah, basically. But we get to see the first ever on-screen appearance of... Super Saiyan Blue Vegito, which is, it looks great. The animation here is phenomenal. And we get a really cool, if brief, fight between Fused Zamasu and Super Saiyan Blue Vegito. And this is Vegito, you know, at his best, where he is just, he's the supreme fighter in this bout. We basically get the impression that Vegito is still stronger than Fuse Zamasu. Uh, and seeing him just kind of take over the fight and be super arrogant is fantastic. <laughs> and it's, it, you have a great, just a great just interaction between Zamasu and uh, Vegito as far as dialogue and you have great animation backing it up while they're exchanging blows. This is, and gosh, my biggest complaint with some of these scenes is that they don't last long enough because I wanted to see more fighting between Vegito and Zamasu because I could not get enough of it. Yeah. I I would have watched that for an extra three or four episodes, to be honest. It looks great. Like they have one awesome, like fist clash. Uh, They have, they have just a number of scenes of them just beating the snot out of each other. One really cool action scene is where Zamasu gets the better of Vegito. He kind of knocks him to the ground and then pulls out his keyblade on his hand. And that's when we get another iconic move for Vegito when he whips around with his hand out and gives Zamasu the spirit sword which is a super cool callback to the Boo Saga. It was really fun. And when he did it, I was like, oh, so he's, oh, no, he used it first. That's right. That is his move. <laughs> yeah, that's that's his move. He's OG, man. <laughs> oh, it's super good. And uh, around this time, uh, Zamasu is just, he's falling apart. He's full of rage. He's uh, kind of losing himself. And Gowasu, watching from the side, watching this fight happen, he delivers a really good line. And I love this line. It's, uh, is that really the result he craved? A broken, misshapen God alone in a vacant cosmos? How fulfilled will he be then? I just, I love it because it really kind of puts a bow on the future that Zamasu's trying to struggle for. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it's it's great coming from Goasu because he was Zamasu's teacher. Goasu was trying to push Zamasu in the right direction. And Zamasu just resisted and resisted and resisted and, you know, murdered his teacher. And this is kind of the culmination of what that all got Zamasu, where he's in this body that's just betraying him and falling apart. And he's, he's kind of insane, like losing his mind at this point in a lot of ways. Yeah. He's, he's twisted both mentally and physically and the, there's nothing but death and destruction all around him. And he's at this point, now he's all alone now that he's fused with, uh, his, his counterpart. It's, it's almost kind of tragic because he's kind of getting what he wants and none of it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
I think that kind of takes us, well, <laughs> we get one other really cool scene with Vegito that I love where we get a, a final Kamehameha with a mixture of our final flash and the Kamehameha together. Super cool. Again, very fan servicey. Um, but after delivering that, Vegito delivers another devastating punch to Zamasu. And that's when the fusion ends. The fusion breaks apart. And uh, we kind of get the explanation that their power together, Goku and Vegeta, drained the Patara earrings so much that they couldn't, it couldn't last an hour. I mean, they've probably been in it maybe a few minutes. Yeah, I think it's stupid. I wanted to see more Vegito. <laughs> yeah, it seems, I don't know, it's kind of a cop-out answer for why the fusion didn't last an hour, but they, they do use that reason a lot in Dragon Ball. Well, there's also, how many times has uh, the fusion kind of petered out at the worst possible moment? Because it seems to happen almost all the freaking time. Almost every time. Yeah, in the Boo <laughs> Saga, in GT, in Super, almost every time. <laughs> so I guess the the what should have been expected happens, and uh, Vegito is not going to finish this fight. Uh, and uh, I think around this time, we see a Trunks with a broken sword that he was given, and he starts kind of channeling energy through it and the sword is kind of reformed using his own energy this is great trunks has a lightsaber man (laughs) (laughs) and so at this point uh trunks with his his new energy sword uh kind of charges back over to the battlefield and uh he's gonna show up just in time to save the day we hope yeah, he, I mean, he he literally jumps in there just as Zamasu is about to crush Goku and Vegeta as they are unfused in their base form, and Trunks blocks the attack with his new lightsaber and just goes to town on Zamasu. Like, Trunks is actually holding his own. He's delivering cuts left and right with this new energy sword. He's uh, He's just being a badass, and this is his moment to shine. It's it's fantastic, and the animation looks great here. It too. does look fantastic, and there's some great exchanges. Trunks is, like you said, being a badass, and there's a moment where I believe Zamasu is fighting with his energy blade, and he does this big overhead swing down on Trunks and starts just forcing Trunks onto his back feet, leaning back, uh, kind of getting Trunks up against the ropes at this point. Mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm. Trunks at this point kind of gives an impassioned speech about how he's going to uh, defend mortals and humanity. And around this point, you start seeing the energy of all the remaining life in the planet start kind of pouring in his direction, almost like a spirit bomb, but slightly different. Yeah, yeah, you can see and you even we get to as the audience see these scenes of the few remaining humans just kind of shouting out to trunks and you know shouting him in encouragement these these two young children that trunks has saved they keep telling him you can do it trunks you can do it and it's a it's a really touching moment to see kind of the culmination of everything that trunks has been through and everything that he's worked so hard to protect and accomplish and all of those beings are now giving their energy to him 
in this spirit bomb like technique. Uh, and it, it literally forms into a giant energy ball above him that looks very much like a spirit bomb. Yeah. And like as the energy kind of builds up above him, you see it kind of almost pour into him and kind of empower not only his his aura, but you see the the energy blade that he has kind of swell with energy it has this kind of. The, the spirit bomb's always typically blue. That seems to be the color of all the, the life energy. Mm-hmm. The sword kind of takes on that same form. And so I guess for lack of a better word, can I call it the spirit sword? I I wanted to call it the spirit sword too. <laughs> and then I realized that Vegito's sword is called the spirit sword. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, so I was like, I don't know what else to call it. Spirit sword is perfect, but maybe spirit bomb sword i don't know it doesn't sound as good spirit blade spirit blade maybe it's slightly sure. different i don't know it's anonymous <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's close enough for me to get them confused yeah i mean maybe it's trunks's version of the spirit sword i don't know <laughs> but uh i gosh i know trunks has been one of your freaking og favorite characters forever so do you want to go through the the last little scene here and kind of oh. send us away i i will certainly take you up on that but yeah, absolutely. So Trunks's original energy sword that he created with his own key is this yellow color. And as he absorbs that life energy from this kind of spirit bomb technique, all of it turns blue, like Dayton was saying. And one of the important parts here is that Goku and Vegeta contribute their energy here too, because I don't think Trunks would have had the power to defeat or to do what he does here otherwise. Um, but he basically charges up with this, his sword goes to this massive size blade, this big buster sword, and he just goes in at Zamasu full bore, uh, slashing left and right. Uh, Zamasu is trying to like basically fight against him with his key blade hand, uh, but Zamasu is being pushed back the whole time. And Trunks eventually runs Zamasu through, sticking the blade right through his torso. And with some great lines about just protecting his world, Trunks takes the sword and cuts Zamasu in half from groin to head. And that's kind of where we end here. Zamasu is basically bisected by this awesome spirit sword from our hero of this timeline, Trunks. What a freaking badass ending to this whole storyline. Let me tell you. That's where it ends. That's that's all there is. I, uh, we don't have to watch any more of this arc. I tell you what, if if we would have just ended it here and this would have been the whole trunk saga, Chef's Kiss, perfect. This <sighs> ending, like the badass line about defending mortals and fighting back against uh, people like Zamasu and getting that final just blow in there with the help of all the remaining humans and life and his friends and everybody pouring everything into him and just ending it like that. It's so poetic and I don't want to say anymore. Uh, <laughs> it would be a beautiful ending if that's where it ended. <laughs> yeah. And uh well, um I suppose let's go ahead and just give our feelings on this entire episode since uh, we, we can't go forward anymore. So let's. <laughs> yeah, so that that that's the last episode that we're covering for this episode of Instant Transmission. And we stopped it there 
for a number of different reasons. One of them being that that really should be where the Trunks arc ends. <laughs> if that's where they would have ended the Trunks arc, it would have been just a fantastic, perfect ending, like a 10 out of 10 ending to wrap everything up, to give everyone the closure that they needed, to give people the wins that they needed. And on top of that, we got to see badass sword fighting. We got to see uh, Vegito doing some badass up with great animations, by the way. I also want to emphasize yeah. that this episode has fantastic animations. It's gorgeous. Like, there's... I have almost no complaints about this episode. And if anything, I have just glowing praise for it. I think this is one of the best episodes. I'll put it in my top five episodes in Super. I, I might... It might be a better one, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some of the episodes at the end of the Tournament of Power are real good. This is easily in my top five favorite for Super. Uh, it's it's an excellent episode. Um, I Honestly, with all the symbolism in there with trunks and everything, I would maybe... I'd have to go back and watch all of them, but I would maybe even argue that this might be one of my favorite Dragon Ball episodes. This is really good. It's really powerful, and especially because it's it's Trunks' future Trunks storyline where everything has weight. There are no Dragon Balls. When someone dies, when people are wiped out, there's no bringing them back. And yeah, you just you feel all the pain and struggle that Trunks has gone through when he's delivering this, what should be the final blow. <laughs> yeah yeah this uh, with all the pendulum swinging between good and bad that we've had in the trunks arc i'm so happy that we get this really big swing onto the good with this episode <sighs> and then we got to go to the next episode <laughs> next mm, time yeah next time next time oh boy tune in next time if you want to <laughs> well, if you want to hear some stuff oh boy <laughs> Uh, but yeah that <laughs> i i mean i i think this is a great spot to to wrap up this episode what did you think about this middle chunk or kind of the latter chunk of the future chunks arc as a whole dayton uh so this this middle chunk um i will say i think it's overall very good but there are some episodes that are kind of a mixed bag and there's at least one bad episode, but I think the good outweighs the bad. And I think it is a very enjoyable watch. Um, if anything, just the, the story that they're trying to convey is very, very good. Even if the execution has some problems with it. I think the, I agree with you. I think that the important part about this story arc too, is that, it's incredibly ambitious, especially for a Dragon Ball story. It's much, much more complicated than we would normally see from Dragon Ball, which is both good and bad. I think they could have simplified it a little bit here and there. Um, but with that said, I like what they were doing with a lot of the symbolism with Zamasu. Zamasu is one of the most interesting villains in Dragon Ball Super, maybe even in Dragon Ball in general, honestly. I mean, I'm willing to say it at least after Frieza, I think he's in the top running for maybe the best, best villain after Frieza. I think there's a good argument for that. He he's definitely got to be up there. Uh, King Piccolo is pretty good. Sells. I'm sorry. Good. I meant after the Frieza saga, like, Oh, after I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 That that's, you're probably right then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So 
they they do a lot with this saga. They they definitely botched a number of things in there with the evil containment wave and a few things that just have no payoff. So they they feel pointless. And uh, I think some of this also needs to be chalked up to how rushed these writers and animators were. Yeah. And I think there's no way around it. It's something that plagues all of Dragon Ball Super is that these people were just they were given insane timelines and they just they didn't have the time to really fully realize the vision that they were going for. And unfortunately, the, the, the show suffers as a result of it. And it sucks that there's something really, really special and great right there that they weren't given the proper resources or time to properly achieve. Yeah, I, I very much agree with you. And I, I think that that's when when you and I, Dayton, are going through here and critiquing the stuff that we don't like about super a lot of that is is there because of the rush timeline and i think really in the end what fans like us would like to see is just more time spent on a a quality product that you know for a franchise that that we've grown to love over decades of time so i'm really hoping that if they do continue super one day that's uh they give it a little bit more breathing room. They take their time. That's all I ask. Just make make something special. Make something that you'll be proud of and something that you know people will want to sit back and rewatch, you know, 10, 20 times. Something that they'll really treasure and not just an episode, a weekly episode show. Dragon Ball's much bigger than that. And I think it should be treated that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dragon Ball is a whole 30 year plus legacy at this point. It's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, that's kind of our take on the the second part of the Future Trunks arc. I We did run this one pretty long, but man, this arc has a lot of detail and a lot to talk about. That's the thing is this episode ran long and we also skimmed over a lot of our notes. So it's this was, I think, about the best we could do without giving up too much of the content that's kind of all jam packed in here. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. But I think we're going to try to wrap it up here. Dayton, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss? Oh, no. I want to hurry up and get this thing wrapped up so I can go feed my tum-tum. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, play piece together the Mafu Bajar. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> oh, jeez. But I think that's it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as we cover the conclusion to the Future Trunks arc. Is Zamasu defeated for good? What's going to happen to the future's Earth? Will Yajirobe have to step in to save the day? (laughs) Find out next time. And to all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon. Gotta feed my tum-tum.